Lord, we praise you for your unending love for each and every one of us. Lord, that you love us so much that it seems like it's just like a reckless love. You just will go through any bounds, any mountains, any hills, anything. Nothing can stop your love for us. So church, right now, just open up your hearts and let him pour his love on you. Heal you of your fears, your worries, your concerns, your troubles. Let him take anxiety from your life with his overwhelming love right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Love conquers all things. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, let your perfect love heal bodies this morning. Heal our minds. Heal our souls. That perfect love just coming down upon each and every one of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. you love us so much. Now Lord, we just lift up people to you right now. Those that we know that are sick and hurting. Lord, those that are discouraged this morning, we just lift them up. We stop and we just pray for them. Call their names out before heaven and just ask you to touch their lives. Lord, let them feel your great love. Let them feel your great love. Lord, let the darkness be cast off their lives. That they can see you and behold you. Just let one wave of love after another wave of love wash over them, Lord. God and Lord we just give you praise we just give you praise and thanks Lord amen and amen and look at the person around you and tell them we serve a really good God
Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm glad y'all are in church this morning. I'm glad y'all that have tuned in or out watching, but it excites me this morning to see some old new faces. Praise God. You know how that goes, old new faces. I knew y'all were out there. I knew y'all hadn't got lost. I know the sheep would all come home, praise God. But Keep throwing corn out. They're going to show up, right? <laughs> Amen. Well, Tracy, come on up here and take our announcements this morning or make our announcements this morning and take our offerings. Praise God. Good things. Good morning, Living Waters Church. It is so great to be here and experience the power and presence of God. Oh my gosh, I love church. If you need an offering envelope this morning, raise your hand, or ushers will get you one. Maybe you have the confession. Have you been doing the confession? You should take that, just take it with you everywhere, like three times a day in the morning at lunch. Just like take it like medicine. It's so good. It's so good for you. And then the plan, did you guys do Exodus 20? Read about all those commandments. Aren't you glad that Jesus just summed it all up for us? He just summed it all up, and he's like, I can tell you how to fulfill all that. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said it'd all be summed up with that. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this week, the plan is Exodus 32. Say Exodus 32. Amen. Hallelujah. I have a revelation for you that your money is not resting. Your money is not on COVID rest. It is working for you. I want you to know that. And the scripture the Lord gave me this morning was Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And I got this little illustrated uh, picture when he, when he shared this with me. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. You know it well. You've heard it a million times. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that word lay, do not lay, it means to amass or to heap up together. And the word treasure means your wealth or your deposit. And so how many of you have been through the drive-thru and you take out the little canister and you open it up and you put your envelope in there and you put it in there and by faith you push the button and you watch it shoot up and you have no idea where it's going and you have no idea whose hands it's going into but you trust that your money is going into your deposit into your account amen when you give your envelope today that's what I want you to picture I want you to picture it going into that canister shooting up and laying up for yourself treasure in heaven that's what Jesus is doing he's taking what you're giving and he's using it for his kingdom but guess what it's not just that it's like a twofold thing he's like I'm storing it up for you here but then we're also going to use it we're going to rescue orphans we're going to feed the poor we're going to rescue widows we're going to feed those babies over in Kenya. Amen. We're going to get the gospel around the world. Amen. 
So praise God. That's what's happening with your money. It's not resting. It is, it's going out there. Amen? So just picture that as you give your offering this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to come into this place and experience your power and your presence. We're so grateful that we can worship you right now with our tithes and our offerings. I thank you, Lord, that we are planning it. We trust who it's going into. We trust the hands that our money is going into. We know that you promised that it was going to have a good return. So I just thank you for every penny that is being given today, that your anointing will be upon it, that it will bring back a blessing upon every person who's giving. And we just praise you and thank you for your good hand that's upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Are y'all glad to be in church? Praise God. Man, I'm glad y'all are out there watching. But I'm glad to see faces in here. Amen. It's always nice to preach to people. So praise God. I want to preach to you this morning. So get your Bibles out. I realize today is Father's Day. And at the end of this message, I'm going to pray for all fathers. But I wanted to, I usually do it at the first, but I want to do it at the end today because I want to Bless the fathers, but this message, you need to hear the message before I pray for you. <clears throat> so go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 is where I want to start. 1 Corinthians 4, 15. You know, I want to make a statement uh, before I get into this message. You know, I, I know that it's, it's tiresome, wearisome to... Be in these days that we're in right now because there's all kinds of things trying to tear down your faith, trying to tear down your, your walk, trying to declare this, that, and the other. Uh, they and them, whoever they are, are, always seems like they want to just tear everything down. Nothing's good. I used to think everything was saying nothing was good, but I didn't know how bad it could get with telling you nothing is good. And maybe it can get worse. I don't know. But where I, what I want to say to you this morning is, you know, so many times we have to stop and we have to remember who we are and who we serve. We have to stop and remember that we are children of God, that we are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. We believe that the word of God is true. We stand on the truth of the word of God. You don't have to go try to figure out who God is, what God is. Just read your Bible. Tells you all about him in here. It's not complicated. It's not hard. Ask the Holy Spirit to show it to you. You're going to have trials and tribulations. Genesis, uh, uh, Jesus said in, in John 16, 33, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. Everybody say, be of good cheer. It seems like it's a hard thing to be of good cheer. Right? But, you know, in, in these days, you can't tell if anybody's of good cheer, the other, you know, because they got a mask on their face. So you don't know if they're smiling or what. Anyway, that's another story. But... Uh, uh, 
But be a good cheer because I've overcome the world. There is a way and a victory and a a path that Jesus has planned for each and every one of you to walk in victory. Amen? You've got to understand that when you wake up in the morning, God already has a plan for you to walk in victory that day. Now, we'd like it to be easy. You know, we would like to have everything easy and just laid out. But but God didn't promise us a cakewalk. All right. But he did promise us that we were always going to have victory. Amen. So don't ever forget that. Don't let the world get you down. Don't let the news get you down. Don't let all the things get you down. You know, I, I said last week and I just had to laugh. You know, I said this last week about how I'm having some difficulties with the mask thing, not because of anything to do with uh, transmitting of the virus, but because I was always taught as a kid, the guy that's got a mask on is the bad guy. You know, I remember one time my my uh, grandson, Holt, we were we were telling him about he was young and we were telling him about strangers. Watch out for strangers. You know, you got to watch out for strangers. We were going to the coast on a, on a little trip. And I said, you know, always be careful about strangers. Just don't walk off with strangers. And so, you know, I guess I must have, you know, really been impressed, impressive upon him. And so we walked out the door and another person in the hotel we were staying in, that guest just happened to step out, too. And he says, stranger. And I was like, yes, but okay, he's, you're with me. It's okay. You don't have to point out everybody that you don't know. You know, that's not. But, you know, it's, I, I, I'm impressive. So someone was impressed upon me. The guy with the mask on's a bad guy. And the other day, I just had to just chuckle. I, I was over in Uvalde, and, and uh, we were at a store, and a guy comes walking out with a black mask on, you know, just the kind that goes over your ears is a black mask on. But it wouldn't have been such a big deal, except he, he was carrying uh, open carry. So I'm looking and I'm like, here this guy comes out walking out with a mask on with a gun strapped on his side. He is definitely not a law officer, you know, and this is okay now. This is the norm. So I'm like, I'm having to take all my brain cells and reconstruct them to get this to say, oh, this is not an alarming situation. Because I was like, wait, I got the mask on and a gun. Oh, no, that's just COVID. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So the apostle Paul was telling the church at Corinth, he said, look, there's a lot of people out there slapping their yap, going out there and telling a lot of things. And man, that's true today. You've got a lot of people saying this. You've got a lot of people saying this is truth. But he said, you know, you don't really have many fathers. And so I want to think for just a minute about a father. You know, a father is something who is who is the, the, has sired a child, right? You have to, you're a father. A father is somebody that loves their children, that takes care of their children, that works hard for their children, that is trying to build stable homes. This is what a father is. Hello? So he's saying, I'm that to you in the gospel. The apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth, I'm loving you. I'm helping you. I'm trying to build you. I'm trying to give into you. I'm trying to show you I am being a spiritual father to you because this is, is, is what the call of God is on my life. Amen. But he says there's not many fathers. See, a lot of people just don't want to be a father. It's easy to be a deadbeat father. It's easy to be a selfish father. It's easy to just be a fleshly father. It's easy to just be, you know, a a father that you you can say, oh, yeah, I've got some kids, but you don't have anything to do with them. Hello? Now, today I'm not, I'm focusing because the title of this message is Heroes. I'm going to tell you and show you as fathers 
And you've got to understand something. A father doesn't mean necessarily have to mean that you sired that person. A father, because, you know, we have grandchildren. And we have great-grandchildren. We have influence in people's lives. The people you work with, the people that are, that are younger than you, that you're associated with, that you could teach. You could give them skill. You could help them through the troubled waters of life, okay? You can be a father to multiple people. You don't have to have just sired them, okay? But you've got to be a hero. And so there's not many heroes. So I was kind of shocked. I, 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 I read this scripture, and the Holy Spirit started kind of leading me down this direction. <laughs> and I started looking up things. Because, see, I always start, once the Holy Spirit starts to impress me about something, then I just start... Through the week, I just start looking and asking and searching and here and there and kind of, you know, get a little piece here and a little piece there. And the Holy Ghost shows me this, shows me that. And so I went to Webster's Dictionary and I looked up hero. Let's just see what the definition says of hero, right? I mean, I know what I think a hero is. And I was kind of blown away. Because the first definition, you know how Webster's or any dictionary you go to, you know, it'll give you a definition, but then it, you know, it could mean this, it could mean this. It gives you about three. So I got about three or four here. First one is a hero, a mythological or legendary figure, often of divine descent, endowed with great strength or ability. So when I first saw this, my first thought was, what are you saying? Heroes are only mythological characters? <laughs> There's really no heroes? It's a myth? Their heroes don't exist? Okay, I'll get back to that in just a second. The second one says... An illustrious warrior. Third one, a person admired for achievements and noble qualities. Okay, so now you're, you're getting to something that we, we kind of think about. Uh, the last one was one who shows great courage. So then I started looking up. So I went and looked up five best-known mythological heroes. See, what's a, what's a, what does the Internet say about that? Pops up. Hercules. Right? Thor was the next one. Beowulf. Robin Hood. Superman. And then I guess because they want to keep everything gender neutral, Wonder Woman. Not that I have anything against Wonder Woman. Just let it be known. Don't need to send me anything on that. But what got me when I read these and I was thinking about it and everyone was talking about, you know, Hercules was supposedly the descendant of such and such God and da, 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 you know, Thor is this and that and the other. They always talked about heroes, these mythological char characters as being part God, part man. Right. So then I went back to that first, a legendary or, or a figure often of divine descent. That's what it says a hero is. So then it made me start just thinking. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So wait a minute. All you fathers this morning, you want to be a legendary mythological hero? Well, you already got the start. You got the Spirit of God on the inside of you, part God, and then you got you. So each and every one of you this morning can be heroes. You can fit Webster's definition of what is a hero. All right? Divinely, a man divinely inspired by God. So 
Then I was reading our plan for this week. Exodus 32. Go there, Exodus 32. And let me show you people who did not have the Spirit and are not heroes first. Exodus 32.1. This is your plan this week. Go through there and read this. This is an amazing story. I've had y'all in the book of Exodus for the last few weeks because you, you need to know some Old Testament. You can't just spend all the time in the New Testament. You've got to have some of the Old Testament in you. And so I'm trying to pick out a few of the, the, the places and, and, uh, that, that I know are going to be strategic, important things. And so this is one of them. I'm reading verse 1. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to them, Come and make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So... Moses is going to be up on the mountain for 40 days, and he didn't make it to 40 days. People, they couldn't last 40 days by themselves. In less than 40 days, these guys already started saying, we don't know about this man Moses. All right? So let me just show you what they forgot. Let me show you what these people forgot that were, were saying this. They forgot the miracles that happened in the land of Egypt. They forgot that Moses was the man who God used to turn rivers into blood. They forgot that Moses was the man that called forth a plague of frogs. You say, frogs? But you got to understand these miracles. What made these miracles so amazing miracles is they didn't come on the land of Egypt. I mean, on the land of Israel or the people of Israel. It only came upon the Egyptians. They did not happen to them. It was like there was a line in the sand and the frogs didn't cross it. Frogs on that side, no frogs on this side. That was what was amazing. Moses was a man who called a plague of lice. God used him to call a plague of lice. It came on all of the Egyptians, all of their cattle, all of their animals, but it did not come on anything of Israel. So they're all they're just scratching and all the Jewish people just sit around and said, "Why ain't that something?" I mean, the lice don't come across that line. Moses was a man called Plague of Flies. Flies. Now, I don't know about y'all, but one of the most irritating creatures on the face of the earth, I do not know why God made it, was a gnat. I don't know what they're good for. I don't know what they're good for. I mean, I don't like them. I hate them. I'd curse them. It's one of, you know, I mean, I hate gnats. Nothing makes a job worse than you're trying to work and gnats around your face. I mean, that is the worst. And then you go put the stuff on that's got all the deed or whatever, and then that makes you sweat weird and makes you feel funny. And so, you know, I mean, it's just a curse on both sides. But here again, the flies are all over the Egyptians. There ain't no flies on the Jewish people. All right? That's the miracle. They forgot that all the livestock of Egypt died. Not theirs. Their cows and sheep and goats and everything, just fat and happy. No problem. They forgot that the boils came up on the Egyptians and didn't come up on the children of Israel. Boils. I, I, I like this one. You've got to go read this. <clears throat> that hail, hail, round hail, ice hail, with fire. Now, does that, how does that work? Hot, hot hail, I mean. It would seem that the fire would have melted the hail before it got there, and you just said fire falling, but anyway, they got hail fire falling on the land of Egypt, doesn't, do anything over there on Israel. Nothing happens. 
Locusts, locusts come in, eat everything up on Egypt's side, nothing on Israel's side. Then darkness comes on the land. Darkness falls upon the land, so it's dark. No one can see anything, but there's light over in all the Jewish homes. Then the death angel comes. They've all had a big barbecue, had to pass over, been eating roast lamb. Death angel comes through, goes through, kills everything. Nothing touches Israel. Okay, so that wasn't enough. How about the parting of the Red Sea? This all happened to these people in a short space right before they're wanting to make a golden calf. Are y'all following me? But hear me now. For 400 years, they'd been slaves. They had slave mentality. They were just a slave given to the man. Whenever, he, whenever Pharaoh was coming to get them, they were just like, oh, let's just go back and make bricks. You look around the world. The, the reason why the United States is such an amazing place is that the people that we are descended from or came in here to want to be a part of what they did for us were people who wanted freedom. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from what, they had to, uh, what religion they had to be, freedom from a government telling them what to do. They didn't have slave mentality. Hello? And that's why Americans are so amazing people, because we don't, want, we don't understand. We're not, we're not, we do not want to be imprisoned or lose our freedom. We don't want to lose our freedom. Do you know, do you know that there's people out there today just pushing and pushing and pushing? Do not go to church. Do not go to church. Going to church, you're not practicing social distancing. The worst thing you can do is to worship. Seriously, those are the words they're using to sing and worship because you're spewing out coronavirus everywhere and everybody's going to get on everybody. So do not worship. They don't say don't sing songs. They don't say don't go into a protest and chant. Hello? They don't say march up and down the streets chanting is not, you know, that's okay. But don't go to church. Oh, my gosh, don't go to church and worship. And I'm like, you people, man. I mean, why don't you just get up and say, I am of the devil, and we don't like God. Let's just get it out. Let's just cut it out, man. This is, you go get your red suits out and put them on, dear Lord, all right? But these people, these, these, these people right here, they were slave. They had this slave mentality. They were used to it, and they just want to go back and say, we just want somebody to go before us. We just want something to go before us. They couldn't remember that just... Shortly, they're just, just less than a month, less than a month, they had seen the Red Sea open up and they walked through on dry ground. Nobody sat around and wanted to tap on somebody's shoulder and say, uh, excuse me, but the God that's going for you, remember the big angel, the big fiery angel that came and got down in front and kept Pharaoh from coming in and that guy and then the, the remember the waters parting and, and us walking by and seeing fish swimming in the water as we walked by on dry ground looking and wow. You don't remember that? You don't remember all the army being destroyed? The greatest army in the face of the earth at that time was all destroyed and God did it all. You don't remember that? They wanted a God that they could see. So just get this. So Aaron, Aaron gets caught up in this. Aaron, Moses' brother, gets caught up in all this. Goes out there and says, oh, just pull off your earrings. Pull off the gold earrings and let's throw them in the fire and let's see what comes out. 
Now, folks, first of all, first of all, now, we're we a bunch of rednecks around here, okay? So if you're going to throw something in the fire and something's coming out, we're going to shoot it, right? I mean, we ain't, that's voodoo, hoodoo. I mean, we ain't messing with that. We shoot that thing, whatever it is. So I don't even know how who, they even came up with some idea like this, right? Just break off the earrings, throw it in the fire, and see what comes out. And they said a calf came out. But Aaron, you know, Aaron, there's something wrong with him. God bless you. You're listening in heaven today. Well, I'm sorry. But there's something wrong with you. Because immediately when Moses comes down the mountain, you know, he goes into this story. Of, you know, we, we weren't really doing anything. But, uh, you know, I just told him to take the earrings off. We threw it in and then the calf came out. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, definitely not hero material. And so what's happening today in the face of uh, in the United States is that the crowds are manipulating people and they're being like Aaron and they're being like the others. And they're saying, you know, let's go do this. And the crowds are getting manipulated to where they go and just join in on whatever's going on. They don't really even know what's going on, but they're just stupidly going down there because that just seems like the thing to do. They're being talked into everything very easily. They're being talked into uh, getting rid of history, getting rid of everything that possibly could be when they don't even really know what they're talking about. They don't really even understand it. They've never even really studied it. They don't even understand what literally the Civil War was fought over. All right. So, I could just get on my soapbox and just preach the dog out of that, but I'm not going to because my wife has already talked to me this morning. <laughs> so, what we've got to do is we're going to go down this road. We've got to be heroes today. We have got to rise up. The world needs hero fathers today. People that can stand up in the face of adversity and say, that is not right. Okay, so I want to say this. <clears throat> Protesting, it's an American right. You can do that. Hello? Peaceful protest? That's what America, I mean, we can protest all you want to. Right? But why does somebody not think it's right to go burn somebody else's business down? And why aren't there people standing around saying, uh, that's not right? Because there's no fathers. Because there's no hero fathers to stand up and say, uh, look, we don't, it doesn't make any difference if you're, you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, whatever. Uh, to burn that guy's building down, it's really not right. Let's burn this hamburger joint down because it happened in front of it. Let's just burn it down. What? It doesn't make sense. There's no fathers today that are hero fathers to stand up and tell people what's right and what's wrong. And it would seem like it's pretty obvious, but apparently not. Hello? Apparently not. People don't know right from wrong on an obvious scale. Okay? So I want to give you 10 things right quick. 10 things. I might make it through. Yeah, I'll make it through. 10 things I'm going to give you fathers today. And this is really for all of us. You, you wives, uh, teenagers, whatever. You need to get these 10 things. You need to take these notes. You need to get these 10 things down in your heart and realize these are attributes you need in your life. Okay? First one is, uh, I'm going to take it from Genesis 18, 19. Genesis 18, 19. I've got 10 people here is what I've got of the Bible and something about them that made them unique. That God chose them and used them for a purpose. The first one is Abraham. God chose Abraham because it says in Genesis 18, 19, 
For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they will keep the way of the Lord and do righteous and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken to him. He chose Abraham because Abraham was someone who would teach his children. Think of this. Think of the simplicity of this. Here's Abraham. He was a rock worshiper. Yeah, go look it up. He was a rock worshiper before he got called by God and found, found Jehovah God and went to him. He was a rock worshiper. The Ur of Chaldees, they were rock worshipers. So he's worshiping a rock, something he could see but didn't do anything for him. Hello? Something he could see but didn't do anything for him. Just like the golden calf. They could see it. You think the golden calf's going to part the Red Sea? But he was a man that had this attribute on the inside of him, this character ish this character on the inside of him that he would teach his children, that he would teach them right and wrong, he would teach them the right way. And so God said, I can take that man right there and create a mighty nation from him. Oh, it wasn't that he was superhero, but he had the attribute of teaching his children, which made him superhero material. He just needed the right material. So God said, I'll make a whole nation out of this guy. He was looking for this one little thing. See, so many times the enemy wants to come to us and say, well, God's not going to use you because, you know, you're not perfect. I mean, look at all these things. Well, man, maybe you're not, maybe you're not good and, you know, 50%. You still got 50% you're doing pretty good in. Hello? Devil will beat you up over this one little old thing, get you all out there. You don't think you can do anything. But listen to me. If you've got the ability to speak to somebody and teach them something, which if it may just be, not like, oh, here's the Bible I want to teach. about. No, you're teaching them right from wrong. Like I said, today people just need to be taught, don't burn somebody else's building down. Okay? I mean, that's a pretty simple one. Why? Because it's not right. Oh, okay. All right? So just think about this. Fathers, you want to be a hero? Teach your children right from wrong. Teach everybody around you right from wrong. Teach people that you do things not because you're mandated because you're a Christian, but because it's the right thing to do. My father, God bless him, he was a, he was a great man to me. He never taught me the Bible, but he taught me right from wrong. He taught me what was, what was right and what was wrong. He taught me to be a moral person. He taught me not to steal, to kill, to do these things, different things. that It was wrong. Don't do it. He taught me not to destroy things that weren't mine. Right? So he was a teacher. So look at your lives. Look at what's going on and say, okay, I'm teaching my children, but how many more around me could I be teaching? All right? Second one here. I'm going to use Moses. Exodus 7, I mean, Exodus 3, 7. Exodus 3, 7. It says, And the Lord said, I surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, land flowing with milk and honey, in the place of the Canaanites and the, he the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the white family, you know. Now, therefore, behold, the, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people to the children of Israel and out of Egypt. The second one here is Moses. And God chose Moses because he was two things. He would be a deliverer and he was given to detail. You ever think about this? 
I don't know about y'all, but can you imagine going up on Mount Sinai and God starts giving you all the details that he gave Moses and you're going to keep up with it? Now, what is that? You're going to want me to build a, this. How, how do you spell that? Brazen, brazen altar. How do you spell brazen? You know, I mean, if it was me, I couldn't, you know, I mean, that's, you following me? Did he even know what a brazen altar was? He gave him all the details of everything, how to build the ark, how to build everything, what it's supposed to look like and how the sizes and the dimensions and the, the tabernacle and all that he gave. Man, that was a guy given to detail. Plus trying to take care of six million murmuring people walking across the face of the earth. Right? Organizing them, getting all them straight. There ain't no wonder Moses did what he did and said, man, I'm out of here and give me that rock. I want to whack it. You'll never convince me. God, Moses heard God say, speak to the rock, but he's like, Speak to the rock. I just really see Moses sitting there, and then he kind of looks over at Joshua, smiles. Joshua said, don't do it, Moses. Don't do it. He's like, whack. I'm out of here. Had enough of these people. Maybe that's not right, but I've always seen it that way. How about you? Will you be a deliverer? You want to be a hero? Well you, want, well, you need to be a deliverer. You need to help people get out of the bondage they're in today. The wrong thinking. See, there's a lot more bondages than just prison. Prisons within your mind, prisons within your heart. Right? You want to be a deliverer and help people? You see somebody, you see, you know, then this goes for, this, like I said, this message I'm preaching to this Father's Day, but it goes both ways. Wives, you know, uh, you, you can pick up this too. You know some young girl that's about to make some mistakes that maybe you made? You know some, some young boy who's about to make a big mistake that you know that you did hey you deliver them by teaching them given to detail doesn't always mean that you're analytical in your thinking and you can put everything into position but it does mean that given to detail means you can see your surroundings and know what's around you i i won't call names on this one but i've been with a with people before and been with a particular person and we walk out of a store and they say oh where'd i park the car Preach over here to this side for a minute. Feel some heat back here on my neck. And so I started saying, look, whenever we park the car, we got to look at details. Look at the light pole. What's the number on it? Where is it? What are, look at the surroundings. Give it the details. Hello? And then you know where you park the car. That's why they have those alarms on there. It's not an alarm. That little alarm on your car button is not an alarm like you're being attacked to put an alarm. It's for you to find your car. <laughs> they like to call it an alarm because it makes everybody feel better. But technically, it's to help people who didn't remember they parked the car find it. But we've got to be given a detail. So you need to look at your surroundings. You want to be a hero? Start looking at your surroundings and seeing who can you help and who can you deliver. Amen? Now, the third one. I love this old boy. Numbers 1330. All the people of Israel had gone over. They'd spied out the land. They'd all looked at, 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 at all the, the promised land. They're about to walk into it. And everybody started getting fearful. And Caleb jumps up. And he jumps up and he quieted the people before the Lord and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we're, we're well able to overcome it. Oh, man, Caleb had an excellent spirit on the inside of him. 
He was a hero of faith. He was a man who would stand in faith and power. See, folks, we're in days right now that you have got to be like Caleb. If you want to be a hero, you've got to be like Caleb. Put your foot down and say, no, I'm sorry, we're right and you're wrong. I am a Christian and I'm proud of it. I love Jesus Christ. And put your foot down and say, that's it. Say, no, I'm not going to agree with that because that is not what my Bible teaches. End of story. Because, folks, I'm telling you, we're coming quickly down to a time where if you believe what the Word of God says, you are going to be called racist. You're going to be called a bigot. And we're going to be put to the test. What are you going to do? Say, well, I understand. Well, maybe, you know, you know, just not. No. I'm telling you, y'all have to get rid of me. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to believe the Bible is true. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to keep this church on the Word of God. We're going to be a church full of heroes around here that will stand in the face of adversity and say, no, we believe the Word of God is true. We've already been called deplorables for believing the Word of God's true. Okay? And it's coming. It's going to get more. You've got to have, be hero to have that spirit of faith and power on the inside of you like Caleb and to stand up in the midst of what everybody else is crying. We can't do it. Stand up and say, no, we can because God is with us. Amen? Okay, the fourth one. Here's one of my other favorite guys. The, just, I love this guy. Phineas. Numbers 25, 7. Remember Balaam, the prophet's calm. He's tried to curse Israel. He couldn't curse Israel. Every time he stands up on the mountain and tries to curse them, and then he blesses them. But then he leans over there and tells the wicked king Balak, he says, I can tell you how you can fix it. I don't have to curse them. Just basically send the Huchiku girls down there, and then they're going to mess up because they're not supposed to be with other women. So they do. I mean, read the story. It's Numbers 25-7. goes crazy. All the, all the men of Israel grabbing up these girls and running around, and Phinehas stands up. It says, now Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it. He rose from among the congregation. So there's a whole congregation watching. Hear me? There's a whole congregation watching. Ain't nobody doing nothing. Oh, they ought to shame on him. Shame on him. Shouldn't be doing it. Oh, but ain't nobody doing nothing. It doesn't do no good to sit in the grandstands and point the finger. Phineas jumps up. Whoo, he was serious too. He took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent. This man had taken a, a, a woman into the tabernacle, the holy place. He ran in there and said, enough's enough, buddy. Had that javelin with him. It thrust both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her body. What happened? The plague stopped. Folks, God's looking for people to be heroes today. He's looking for people, for fathers to be heroes, to stand up and be heroes and to put, say, enough is enough. Get the javelin out and say, I'm about to thrust something through. Somebody's going to get poked. And be a hero to stand up in faith and power in discernment and understanding of what's going on. We need heroes of faith. Phineas was one of them. He hated evil. And listen to me. The word hate gets misused a lot. Like, like if you hate evil, that means, you know, like, like, you know, hate's a bad word and you shouldn't use it. But that what it means is you can't stand it. You do not like it. Brussels sprouts. are on my hate list, okay? I don't like, I don't like 
wake up in the morning cursing Brussels sprouts across the world. I don't have anything to do with them as long as they leave me alone. I don't do anything with them. But don't put them on my plate. I don't like them. I don't like the way they taste. It is not right. Now, I eat a radish right out of the garden. Doesn't bother me. See? See, we're all different. I love horseradish. I could eat it by the spoonfuls. Other people say, oh, I can't tell. I mean, I can eat it. I mean, I love it. I spur it all over steak and eat it. But my point is, you gotta, you got to hate evil. You've got to be disgusted with evil. Not hate people and what it's doing, but hate that whole situation, that whole thing. It's got to irritate you. You've got to be, if you're going to be a hero for God, you've got to be a Phineas who will rise up the javelin and poke it down and say, enough is enough. All right, fifth one. 1 Samuel 13, 14. David. God chose David because he was a man who had a heart for God. It says in 1 Samuel 13, 14, but now your kingdom shall not Continue, he's talking about Saul. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. David was a man after the heart of God. If you're going to be a hero in this day and age, you've got to have a heart for God. Because I'm telling you, listen to me, God wins. You say, oh, it looks like, looks like this. It's sick so bad. Looks like they're going to take over. Looks like they're going to win. No, no, no. I hate to tell you, don't read the, I've already read. Listen, I've already read the end of the book. We win. So you've got to have a heart for God. You've got to be a, a, a father with a heart for God. You want to teach your children the ways of God. You want to teach everyone around you the ways of God. Because you're a man that has a heart for God. Hello? Okay. Number six. The Apostle Paul. Okay, Romans 1. One, it says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated in the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. The sixth thing here is you've got to understand that you have to be a hero is a bondservant of Jesus. Paul was willing to be a servant. Fathers, let me tell you today, if you want to understand how to be a hero, a biblical hero of faith, a father who is a hero. You've got to learn to be a servant. That means you're looking out for the other person's needs before yours. The Apostle Paul was an amazing, is an, you know, just an amazing, amazing man of God. He sacrificed. If you go read his, his uh, testimony of how many times he was beaten, how many stripes he took on his back, all the persecutions, all the things he did to preach the gospel. He was an amazing servant of Jesus Christ. We're not fathers because we are to be served. We're fathers because we are ultimate servants. Sacrificing for the needs of others. Amen? Okay. Going kind of fast here. Number seven. Y'all are going to love this one. Because all you men can say amen to this one. Because most of you already have it down. But you've just maybe not seen it as a biblical attribute. And I want to help you this morning. Peter, Matthew 16, 22. It says in, this is when Peter, right before Peter just said that Jesus was the Christ. And, 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 and Jesus said, man, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, my Father in heaven. I want to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you bind and worship. He just said all these things to him, right? Verse 22, then Peter took him aside because Jesus said he was going to die. 
took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. <clears throat> Peter had enough guts to pull who he just said was the son of God. Right? Pull him aside and say, you don't, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Woo! This is the attribute is, if you want to be a, 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 a hero father, you got to be hard-headed. You just haven't used it for the right way. In other words, you won't be easily moved off. You are going to be hard-headed. You're going to be set in the ways of God. You are not going to go to the left or the right. You're not going to get entangled with the... Remember last week when I preached about the squirrel, squirrel syndrome? You know, you're not going to go for chasing squirrels. You're not going to see the jingle and jangle of the things of the world and get off. You're going to be set on track. You're going to be center-focused, hard-headed, saying this is where we're going to go and that's it. People today are so wishy-washy. I mean, they just, just tell them anything. Oh, really? And then they just go off and do it. They got no sense. Yeah. Are y'all with me? So you're already all hard-headed. Wives, can I have an amen? Yeah. See? And so y'all already know that, but just make it a godly attribute. Makes you a hero. All right. Number eight. I'm winding down here. The Apostle John. He chose John because he could be strong and tender. In John 13, 23, it says John was the one that leaned on Jesus' breast. Now, you know, I can't see any of us sitting around a campfire. I mean, you lean over on me, I'm going to push you off pretty quick. But then uh, something you may not know about John. Did you know, John, they took him and they boiled him in oil? And it didn't hurt him. The Romans took him and boiled him in oil. Took boiling oil, dropped him in it. He just moisturizing myself. Didn't hurt him. He was on the Isle of Patmos. Had the big revelation of, of seeing Jesus. He was isolated, persecuted. Boy, it was tough. But he had a tender side too. Fathers, listen to me. Being a father and a hero doesn't mean that you're always tough. It means sometimes you're tender and you can listen. And you can be sensitive. That does not make you a sissy. Hello? John was both. He was strong and he was also tender. If you want to be a hero for God, you have to be both. You have to be able to be on both sides. You have to be at one moment willing to go to war with your javelin and the next moment willing to stop and put your arm around your, your son, your, 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 who you're fathering, and listen to what they're saying and be, be tender. Okay. Number nine. John 9, 25. Here's another one you already have. Men, you already have this one in you. You already got hard-headed. Here's another one you already got in you. If you'll just let God take it and make something godly out of it. John 9, 25 is the blind man. I don't know what his name is. He's just the blind man today. Blind man of John 9, 25. It says right here, they were, they were questioning him whether he was really, truly healed, if he was really, truly, you know, uh, could see. And John 9, 25 says, whether or not he's a sinner or not, I do not know. But one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. A hero who will tell us testimony of what God's done for him. 
I've told my testimony before to people, and they'll look at me and say, Robert, you know, you, 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 were just, you just went mad. You, you just were crazy. You know, you just had a moment of losing the ranch. You were temporarily insane. You, you, you know, that's what happened to you. You didn't have an experience with Jesus. And I keep saying, yes, it did. It changed my life. Look at me. And if I did go crazy, most crazy people go downhill, not go uphill. And I'm blessed, and my family's blessed, and my children are blessed, and my grandchildren are blessed, everybody's blessed. I mean, you can see that God touched me. Y'all follow me? You've got to just be a person who will stand your ground and say, look, I don't, I don't have to prove to you what happened to me. Looking at the fruit of life is enough to know. My life has changed. I can't explain every detail of, you, of it. I can't explain all the things God's doing. I don't know why this happened to you or why that happened to you, but I just know that God is real. He's touched my life. He's changed me. He'll change you. Those are heroes that'll stand up and give their testimony. Amen? The last one. is I, I use in Matthew 8, 2. Matthew 8, 2. It says, and behold, a leper came and he worshiped him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus said, I'm willing. The 10th one is God chose a leper because he would believe the word of God. Because when Jesus said, I'm willing, the leper was healed. If you want to be a hero father in life, you've got to be a person who will believe that the word of God is true. You've got to understand something to me. I, I mean, I do not understand Every detail of this, I don't understand. I do not have everything down. Even after 37, 38 years of reading and seeking my Bible, I don't have everything down. I've been in a big discussion with my wife all this week about something that I want in my life that I don't see in my life, and I'm going to dig till I get it. I'm going to understand it, and I've already gone through the Bible, done a whole big research, got all the scriptures out, trying to look at it, and I still don't understand how it all fits in. I, but I'm going to get it. You watch. I want to preach a message on it someday. You'll know. You say, ah, Pastor said he was going to preach a message on that, and he did. Because I'm going to get it because I know that that's how it works. I don't understand everything fully. I can't tell you the whys and this and why did this happen and why is that happening and why didn't this take place and why didn't God do something? I mean, like I've told you all before, you better be glad that I'm not God. Because I would be doing things a little differently. I'd be sending some hail fire down on the... Right? I'd be doing some smoking and some burning and some... Man, people be running and dodging. But that's not God, and it's not the way he's got it planned out. I can tell you I'm coming back with him someday on a white horse with a rod, and you better watch it then, because I know if you're on the other side, what's going to happen. I'm going to get to work out all my frustration on you. So beware. Get saved. Get on the horse with me. But folks, that doesn't mean that I don't keep going forward. That because some yahoo comes up with some stupid idea or something like that, that's going to sidetrack me. I'm going to stay on track with the word of God. I want to be a hero father. I want to be a hero that goes forth and, and, and faces with the spirit of God on the inside of me, the adversities of life and overcomes. That's what a hero is, folks. So all of you fathers, you have the ability. You're already hard-headed and you already can talk. You already got two of the ten down. A lot of you are strong. You're persevering. You've stood through adversities. See, some of you, oh, man, that's good. I just thought of that. 
Some of you have held on to things for a long time. You've been angry and mad about it, and you've held on to it for a long time. Why don't you hold on to the Word of God just like that? I, I've said this to you, and I, it, I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm just telling you the truth because you all know most everything about me. I can do anger really well. I have to watch myself all the time. I feel like a lot of times my old man, the flesh, he's locked in a cage, and, and I've got the key, and I won't let him out. But sometimes he rattles the bars. Sometimes he's trying to bend them, and he's rattling, and he's wanting to come out, and I can do anger really well. But that's not what the gospel's called to do. It's called to walk in love, and I want to understand love better. So I have to tell him to shut up. I'm not going to do it that way. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. If you're going to be a hero of faith, well, these are some things that we hold on to that we've held on to a long time that are wrong. Well, why don't we hold on to the Word of God that way? Hold on to the promises that way. You already have these hero attributes on the inside of you, but you've got to put them into play. You've got to put them into play, and then you're going to see victory. And then you truly are going to be heroes, and you're going to get to walk down the, aisle, the streets of gold in heaven uh, in the, the hero's profession, procession, a professing profession, <laughs> procession. <laughs> Amen? Well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. I think we've got some people here today for a prayer team. If you want to come down right now, you can. If you're in here today and you, you, you need prayer, you want to pray over anything, anything going on or pray for somebody, we're up here to pray with you. Those of you watching out there, I'm so glad you tuned in today. But listen to me. I want to pray over every one of you. I want to bless you as, a, as, a, as, as fathers this day. I want to honor you as fathers this day because you've, been, you've taken the steps on being a hero. And so whether you're watching today or you were in the building today, this prayer is for you. All, all you got to do is be willing in your heart to be a hero. Amen. So let me pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I just pray over everyone. I pray and I bless them for Father's Day. I declare that, Lord, we're not going to be like that and not have many fathers. I declare we're going to have many fathers. Many hero fathers who are going to teach their children in the way that they should go. We're going to have many hero fathers that will stand and give their testimonies. Hero fathers that will be like that spirit of Caleb and said, yes, we can overcome. They'll be strong in faith and power. I bless them today, Lord God. And I pray that you give them a supernatural understanding of this message. You open the eyes of their understanding so that, Lord, that they can know you and be enlightened and understand what's going on in life. And be a hero. Now, where those have thought they're failures right now, rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Cast that spirit off of you. Declare you are not a failure, but you are a hero. I declare this day that there is not a spirit of a failure in the listening of the audience's ear today. But there are heroes. Heroes of faith. I declare right now, Lord God. That we are going to have this day and we're going to go out throughout this day and be blessed. And this message is going to burn down into our hearts. And we're going to be able to see who, who's around us that we can father and help and to teach. Lord, I ask you to bless them. Bless them exceedingly abundantly beyond they could ever even think or ask, Lord. And for those out there, Lord God, that have never even taken the step to make Jesus the Lord of their life today. They'll call out upon the name of Jesus. And be saved. So Lord bless them. And I thank you for them Lord. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, heroes. Everybody say, I'm a hero. hero. We're here to pray for if you need anything. Have a great day.